0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Bench with Bubba podcast, joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB draft kit is live, and all Bench with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code BUBBA. Rotoballer is home to the number one Fantasy Pro's accuracy ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code BUBBA. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash BUBBA and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff, and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 303. I'm gonna do a little solo pod for you guys today to talk about some recent news, notes, and uh some listener questions. You guys came through in a big, big way on that front. So do a little solo pod, get you a little MLB DFS quick hits feel to it, which we'll get back to next week. Don't forget to check me out on Twitter at BD We're on the Rotoballer Radio Network. If you want to go check that out as well, lots of good podcasts over there. If you could give a rating review on iTunes for Bench with Bubba, I'd really appreciate it. We're approaching. 100 ratings and reviews so that would be pretty darn cool if you could do that as well but this is going to be a a pretty simple uh episode for the most part we're going to go through some recent news there's been a lot of it every day it's always changing with the covid stuff with guys not you know injuries now because they're not properly ready to go it's going to be a wild one this whole season's gonna be a wild one we said it time and time again on this show on other shows it's just, um, it, it's it's brace for impact type stuff. Take the risk you want to take. If you're not a risk adverse person, then stand back and watch the show unfold. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun because we have baseball back. We have baseball back in less than a week, which is outstanding. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's gonna be a wild one. Uh, reports are coming out. You know, they've been in camp for two weeks. 005 percent. I believe there are six tests out of over ten thousand five hundred tests that have come back since they've been in camp that have tested positive. So that is great. They're following. Following through on that, now he's got to make sure they stay safe as they start to travel. And we'll get 60 games and some playoffs in if they do that. So that's uh, very important as well. But uh, let's get into the news and notes. We have a lot to go through. It's going to be kind of scattered all over the board. I'm just going to run down the old Roto World news feed as we do. I've I updated my rankings this morning before recording about 9 o'clock Pacific time on Friday. I try to update them as often as I can. Barring the news, I usually have a piece of paper on my desk that I make notes on if I can't get to it right away. I get to it at a later date and time, so I can get them as up-to-date as possible. If anybody has questions on my uh, rankings, I tell people one thing about rankings is do them because they're yours. Don't follow the trend of everybody else, and that's one thing I do with my rankings. You'll see some guys that are much lower than other people think, and that's because I really don't want anything to do with them, but I have to rank them type stuff, so stuff to think about on that, but let's go down to the news and notes here. Jesus Lazardo, he has been cleared from his COVID-19, but they still got to get him ramped up. Um, they, they want him to be a starter this year. He's not 100% uh, going to be stretched out. I know um, Scott Jens, that big time AS fan, he's talked about it. We've talked about it. And many agree they have no reason to really push Jesus Lazardo. So, as much, as much talent as the guy has, and it's great to see with Jesus Lazardo, it's tough to take that high draft price for a Jesus Lazardo. If you look at the, the NFC last night on Thursday night, they finished their third main event draft. And Lazardo's the 44th pitcher off the board. pick one at 12. He goes at the same pick as Carlos Carrasco right before guys like Lance Lind and Ellis Julio Urias, Urias, Lizardo. There's good similarities there. Both young lefties that have immense talent, but are they going to have the innings to do it? Uh, Urias has done it before. Lizardo hasn't really done it yet. We've seen a lot of piggybacking with Lizardo in the minors, So there's risks there. Like I'll take cookie Carrasco all day at that price point over a Jesus Lizardo. Or you could even uh, wait and go down to like the Zach gallons, Kenta on a short season phenomenal. As you know, there's no inning restrictions in that regard either. So something to keep in mind there when you're looking at Jesus Lazardo, Many, many like Jesus. Nothing bad about Jesus. It's just a tough one to jump in on. A fun one we got going on right now. I'll check the uh, the poll I put out yesterday. But when you look at Jacob deGrom, out of nowhere, you know, pitches a, one inning of a, of a simulated game or a, an inner squad game, and he comes down with a back spasm. And that is just like, oh, man, you've got to be kidding me. Here we go. More, more, more injuries, just more injuries onto the mess, but uh, you got Jacob, Jacob DeGrom, and I was I, I tweeted out, with this injury, he's still going to be a great pitcher. We know that, but we've been talking time and time again. Are you willing to take the risk on guys that aren't going to be able to go at least five, six innings to get you the win in one or two starts, give or take, because you know, making 10, 11, maybe 12 starts, if you're lucky, each start is tremendously important, and, and uh, right now, I asked, is he still – If he's, he said he's going to throw about 80 to 85 pitches on opening night. That's his goal. If he only throws 80 to 85 pitches, and jagaram is good enough to go five-plus innings at that point. But say he goes three or four. Now he doesn't qualify for a win. So now there's just one complete start with no win opportunity. If he's only going three or four innings, you have to imagine probably not putting the best start together either. Is he still a first-round pick for you? Uh, 76% are saying yes. 24% are saying No. I still have him as a late first round guy, but even in my latest rankings, I moved Mike Clevenger ahead of him. I have I have it um, Cole Clevenger and Degrom, and Degrom was my number one until this injury. I've had Degrom number one from the go. There's there's been no question for me on Degrom. It's just little minor things like that when you're making these these picks right now that you have to have to differentiate yourself on your team. And um, we'll see how his uh, I believe this weekend, Saturday or Sunday, he's going to throw tried to throw 60 to 65 pitches in a, a inter-squad game, see how that goes. He took a bullpen on Friday. If things progress well for DeGrom, we'll see. But the, the other reason this is interesting, on a Thursday night there, in an OC, he went at pick 11 out of 12, so almost made it out of the first round. And then in the main event that was drafted Thursday night, he went pick 14 out of 15. So he went deep. Uh, Justin Verlander got pushed up ahead of Jacob DeGrom. That's a whole other conversation for another day. There's many people that are off DeGrom, I mean off the of Verlander, He's changed his uh, mechanics and whatnot. People are concerned there. I'm not overly concerned with Verlander. He's been changing his stuff forever, and he still throws gas and gets the job done. He's a workhorse. Um, so I think that's just fine. I wouldn't have him ahead of DeGrom. Like I said, I have Clevenger, and I'd be looking at maybe Scherzer or Verlander if you want to get weird. But uh, DeGrom would be my guy to uh, go number three in that scenario. But keep an eye on what he does over the weekend. That could be very, very interesting. We talk Colorado Rockies. Charlie Blackman, he's um, back from COVID. They've been ramping him up like crazy, trying to get as many at bats as possible, playing in multi-inter squad games and everything. They expect him to be ready for opening day. They're hoping he'll be ready for opening day. Uh, so that would be good in that regards. And then you got David Dahl, who is you know poor David Dahl. We love the skills of David Dahl, power, speed, pretty good defense. Roman in, in luxurious center field in Colorado. But, man, the guy just can't stay healthy. He just finds that banana peel after banana peel. He's like the O'Doyle rules guy. Like One day it's coming your way, and you got to hope someday it just goes away. But um, David Dahl is banged up, and he's he's already got a muscle strain, which is scary because those are always its core soreness, and that means it's muscles, and those are always tough to heal. You never know exactly when and how they're going to heal properly. So you're to have to keep an eye on those two because right now David Dahl is projected to lead off, which would be tremendous for his upside with Story and Blackman. Aaron Otto and the rest of that lineup hitting behind him. So keep an eye on those injuries. I moved David Dahl down a little in my rankings. Blackman's like a top 15 guy for me. Uh, Dahl moved out of the top, uh, I believe he's in around 50-ish, give or take, in my rankings. I have to go look at those. But uh, both very talented guys, but definitely both bringing some risk to the table this year, which is something we were not uh, expecting to start things out. Now, as you go down and look at some more Keona Kella of the Pittsburgh Pirates, he had put on the 10-day IL as he uh, is done right now for a while with COVID and whatnot, so he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. That brings Kyle Crick into the equation, who should be the man getting the the, the, the closer options for the Pirates, however many that is. The Pirates are going be sneaky, very tough central division, so we don't know how that's all going to play out. But Crick, he's shown some great stuff, good fastball velocity, uh, nasty secondary pitches. Uh, he can be wild at times. That's been kind of his bugaboo. But uh, good upside with Crick. He's uh, even roster resource already changed him to be the closer there. Former San Francisco Giant, so near and dear to my heart. I have him outside the top twenty in uh, closers, but he's real close. It's mainly he's outside the top twenty because when Kella comes back, he's probably going to take the role over from Crick. But for the time being, if you want to take a late uh, late flyer on a, a guy like Crick, when we can look at the um, he's gone around pick three forty one in the first three main events. That'll obviously go up this weekend. As they have many of their drafts, this news has started to come out. But uh, you can keep an eye on a guy like Kyle Crick for some late saves if you're looking that direction. Thanks, Yancey. It is Kyle Crick's season up in here. All right, let's go a little farther down here. Um, Roberto Ozuna, news came out Friday morning about a half, half hour before I decided to start doing this show. And it was very devastating because Roberto Ozuna is one of the closers I like a lot. He he can be frustrating because he's, he can be wild at times and put guys on base. But when he's on, he strikes out a ton of guys. And he plays for the Astros who love him or hate him, they're gonna win a darn load amount of baseball games. They're probably gonna win the AL West, or pretty darn close to winning the AL West. So you're gonna have a lot of saves chances with Roberto Azuna, and it's hard to ignore those facts. But he's been in camp and he has not pitched off the mound yet. The reports where Dusty Baker said he's in fair shape. That I, I don't know how to like if you look up Webster Dictionary, when I see fair, I see like Ferris wheels and carnival games. Fair shape. You know, I'm a, I'm in a round shape, I don't know what a fair shape is it's very very strange I'd hope by now you know five games away we're in athletic shape but uh that's me so Azuna's in fair shape still has knocked him off a mound now could he be ready by opening day sure but if you're drafting this weekend you have to take a grain of salt here like you really have to sit back and look at this and think I don't know if I can jump on a guy like Roberto Azuna who I had as my number two closer right behind Josh Hader and I moved him down to like nine or ten just out of because if he's not closing, you cannot take him that high in your drafts. Uh, Ryan Presley would likely take over for him. He has a blister on his hand, though, also, right finger. So uh, that's going to slow things down. Hopefully that's healed up. Presley's filthy, absolutely filthy. When you look at Ryan Presley in recent seasons, he's um, been one of the better set men in all of baseball. People were, were speculating he could be the closer before they traded for Azuna. So when you look at a guy like Presley in this scenario, you know last year, 2-3-2 ERA, 221xbit year before 254era 258xbit uh almost 12k per nine in both seasons the dude is absolutely lights out nasty so uh presley's moving up the ladder for sure definitely check out uh one of those uh joe austin adams yes that's a guy i was i talked about on the closer show um, and I'm answering questions in the chat for people that come onto the live feed. So it'll fill us with the podcast form. We'll be jumping in and out here, but uh Joe G 414 ask um, Austin. I think is a great option. When we look at the, uh, let me pull up the Mariners roster resource page right here. And he's a guy that was injured going into the season. So he kind of got put on the back burner and he's got really, really electric closing type upside. So he's put on the back burner. It was the Matt Miguel, Yoshikisa Hirano show, but Hirano's banged up already. So he's kind of out of the equation now. So now that really opens things back up for Austin Adams. If you look at the Mariners roster resource page, it's uh it makes you cringe when you look at the pitching. That's for sure. That's for the bullpen, but they have Matt Miguel, Austin Adams, and Dan Altavia as closer. Oh, Anthony, they have four closers. That's not going to happen. It's going to be Matt Miguel or Austin Adams. And I'm with you. I hope it's Austin Adams. The guy is very, very, very talented uh, with what he has out there and um, would be a big asset going basically free in drafts right now. The sharps of the sharps know who he is. But uh, when you talk about strikeout stuff last year, he came over from the nationals, by the way, almost 15 K per nine between two teams in the bigs and triple a 18 K per nine uh, for the national triple a for the Mariner triple a almost 15 K per nine. The dude uh, is electric. When you look at his uh, steamer projections, three, two, seven ERA, 12.38 K per nine. He's going to get you four saves. And that's just assuming he's not the closer. If he's a closer. You can definitely move him up a little farther as well. So good call on that one, Joe. Um, Over Daniel Hudson, that is tricky because I've been a huge Daniel Hudson, Sean Doolittle. I I believe that they're one of the best scenarios that showcases the three-batter minimum rule that's going to come into play. Uh, Dave Martinez has a really good Nationals team, great starters, so the bullpen should be able to kind of free flow as most of their starters should go five, six, maybe seven innings on occasion, so you're not going to overwork the bullpen. But the three-batter minimum is going to be clutch where you're going to see Doolittle get majority of the saves, but there's going to be a lot of outings when there's like – some dominant righties out there and Huddy's going to get them or in the eighth inning, some big time lefties Doolittle might come in the eighth and Huddy will go into the ninth. So I think Hudson's a very sneaky guy. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Hudson gets more saves than Doolittle to finish the season just because Martinez, I think he'll play more um, matchup based. He's, he's a smart manager. He's not just like old school, dusty Baker type where, Hey, it's the ninth inning. Let me check my board. Okay. Closer. That's what we have to do. Um, some of these guys use their brain now and it's pretty, pretty cool to see. And Davey Martinez can be one of those guys. So uh, Hudson, I'd still have Hudson over Adams because the Nationals are a better ball club, and we know that Hudson will get chances. If we get more word in the next few days that Adams gets the job, then Adams moves ahead of Hudson for sure because then he's then he's locked into the role. He's not sharing it where Hudson is sharing the role. So that's something we have to keep in mind over the next few days. Some news that broke out of St. Louis: Carlos Martinez, Carmart. This guy is just a kryptonite for so many fantasy owners because the talent can't can't argue the talent with Carmart, but the uh, the health. You can argue that until you get blue in the face. It's, it's really difficult to, to have. But it, I talked to uh, STL Cup of Joe many times, super smart pitching analyst, Cardinals guy. Uh, uh, we used to work for the athletic, uh, writes for other areas. Very, very good stuff. And he has said from day one, every time I talked to him, even I saw him tweeting about the other day, Carlos Martinez has the best repertoire in all of the Cardinals pitching, bullpen starters, you name it, he's got it. I thought he could utilize that repertoire as a closer. We saw him do that a little bit last year, and he was great. And it wouldn't tax his arm as much. And with uh, the injuries and, and not knowing who's going to close in St. Louis, I thought that'd be a great job for him. But right now, the announcement is going to be in the starting rotation, which could kick Kim out of the rotation, who had a good Thursday inter squad game. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You still have a, uh, you know, Wainwright and Walker, or not Walker, Walker's in New York now. You got Waino and others, uh, Flaherty and company in St. Louis. So Carmart's going to enter the rotation. And he's going around pick 164 around Madbum. I take Carmart over Madbum. I think that's a good call there. Um, Zach Wheeler's going just ahead of them. You could have a good discussion there. I'm a big, big Wheeler fan. I love the changes he made. Now Wheeler gets a real catcher in Real Muto, not, not having um, Wilson Ramos, who's one of the worst defensive catchers in baseball, catching for him. I think that'll help tremendously. But like Robbie Ray's having a great um, summer right now, so that'll be interesting. The Carmart slides in there about 164. Be a, be a definite guy to keep a, keep an eye on as a, as a, a nice fixture in your rotations, if you, if you choose to, to take that on in that scenario. All right. The one that kind of had a lot of fun last night on Thursday night is Mr. Franchi, Franchi Cordero traded to the Kansas city Royals. It's a big one because if you looked at the the Padres outfield, they've just had, it's a crowded outfield. You look back to the fall, they've traded Margot, they traded Renfro, um, I know I'm forgetting someone else that I saw last night. Now they trained Franchi Cordero. They just keep trading and trading. They got Grisham back. He's a great outfielder. This trade does so many things for so many guys. Um, you know, Ryan O'Hearn's on the COVID list. This could move um, this could move Dozier to first base for the the Royals, which is tremendous. It keeps the outfield of Gordon and Soler and company strong out there. They have a projected lineup now. Whit Merrifield, Alberto Thalmonasi, Jorge Soler DHing. They have Dozier at third. I think Mikel Franco stays there. They have Ryan McBroom at first. Now you want Franco out there over McBroom. Just hate to break it to people. That's going to happen. Uh, you have Gordon, Salvi, Francho. Uh, Franchi, I mean, this is, a, this is a pretty sneaky good lineup. When you look at a guy like Franchi Cordero, hits the ball harder than almost anybody in all of baseball, which is uh, phenomenal to see. If you uh, look at some of his actual stats, uh, someone was kind enough to tweet stuff out. So I, I just said, you know what? I'm going to take a picture of this so I can read you the information here, and it's it's filthy what Mister Franchi can do uh, out there. When you look at Franchi, he spent you know he's injured most of 2018-19. This is from Patrick Brennan at Painting Corner. He slashed 326, 369, 603 with 15 homers and 17 steals in 2017. He is top 10 percent of Major League Baseball on both exit velo and sprint speed. Top 2 percent max exit velo. He's at the second-longest home run in 2018. He was just injured most of 19. People forget just how talented this guy was. And I'll say, i know mean, Sammy Reid, our big Padres fan, was uh, pumping up Mr. Franchi. So that was a big one there. I think it's a phenomenal move. This gets Franchi relevant in drafts. This opens up the outfield for the Padres in drafts. I like how it moves Dozier to first base. I think that, that could I, – I, okay, speculating, but he should be playing first base. I think that's tremendous. And then, like I said, when you look at the Padres outfield now – now it really kind of helps out a little bit. you got Grisham in center field, shouldn't be messed with. It opens up the door for Will Myers, everyone's favorite Will Myers. That's a biggie right there. That's big. Tommy Pham's back. So there's there's moving pieces here that are really helping both sides of the, the storm here. So uh, let's just look at ADPs here for fun. I've been a big Grisham fan to begin with. I wrote about him at Baller as a late-round target. Um, if you got to be smarter than the machine here and get out of the pitchers to the outfield bubble, that would be a big start for your, your search here. But um, when you look at a guy like Grisham, going around pick 262 uh, at the outfield. Right ahead of Gregory Polanco, Shogi Akiyama, Grichick. Uh, I think that's a really, really good price tag for one uh, Trent Grisham. We look at Will Myers, a guy that used to be a 2020 machine, going around pick 242. He's going ahead of Grisham by 20 picks. He's going right ahead of uh, David Peralta. Fun discussion. If you need batting average, go Peralta. If you want some power speed, Will Myers. He's going right after Sam Hilliard. I'd rather gamble on Myers until I know Sam Hilliard has regular playing time. Before this trade, I would rather have Sam Hilliard because I do not think Will Myers is going to play enough. So that's a fun development in that scenario. And then last but not least, the Franchi Cordero. He uh, wasn't picked in the two first uh, main events. was picked last night, though. I picked 361. So take that in mind. ADP is 421, but he's only been picked once. That's picked 361. So if you're looking at 361, he's going around the likes of Kevin Kiermaier, Victor Reyes, Mike Yastrzemski. Very good gamble at that point in the draft. No problem with some Franchi at um, at pick 361 right now. His value is going to keep going up, you'd have to imagine. So keep that in mind when you're looking at Franchi Cordero in that scenario. But uh, definitely, definitely things breaking in in the right direction for Franchi. All right, let's go to the Tampa Bay Rays to our boy Yancey's team. And uh, this is a, a little bit of a bad news situation. Austin Meadows hasn't been in camp. They haven't announced anything until recently. He has COVID. He's on the I.L., So that changes things up a bit. That opens the door for uh, Susugo to pretty much play DH every day. It opens up the alpha. Look, Kiermaier is already out there, but now Margot's got a spot out there. Hunter Rencrow opens up the door for them until Meadows gets back. Obviously, when Meadows shows up, that's all going to get a mess again. But it opens the door there for now. If you want to ride that wave early, go for it. Um, I think Susugo's got some crazy big-time power, so that could be fun. But uh, keep that in mind with Meadows. I moved him down to – I think I moved him right behind Charlie Blackman in my rankings – because I still think um, he, he's going to miss probably a few games. They're, they're not 100% sure he'll be ready for opening day for Austin Meadows. Imagine he misses, you know, half of the first week, maybe the first week, then he comes back. Still could be an electric player at that regard. So I'm not completely, you know, crossing them off the list right now. But definitely grain of salt, that one, and keep that in mind when you look at Austin Meadows. Uh, minor stuff, Evan Longar- Longoria has got an oblique strain. You probably weren't going after it long ago. Uh, Daniel Norris, he is positive for COVID-19. That's a bit of a shame because he was kind of a late-round target that people liked, but um we're gonna kind of pass on that one uh when you go down even farther, like howie kendrick he uh he finally reported to camp so that's going to see so they want soto so i'm gonna play those ones by uh business as usual shohei otani we finally got the news the way they treated shohei otani in his first year was a hey, sunday shohei day that's what we're doing and now they've come out and said that again shohei otani will be he's supposed to pitch on sundays for the angels so if you're in like an nfbc we have to lock in your pitchers once a week You got Shohei going on Sundays. That's what you're looking at there. If you're going to use him as a hitter, per se, you got to remember he's going to take the day before. So Saturday, he's not going to be hitting. And Monday, he's not going to be hitting. You'd imagine he's going to hit Tuesday through Friday, maybe three of those four days. You don't know for sure. That's the gamble you take. I think he's a great daily league play, especially if you're using a pitcher and a hitter. That's even better. Because when when he's a pitcher, he's one of the best pitchers. He's literally got like legit ace stuff. We know that. Now, he's coming back from Tommy John where he, where control can be an issue. But a guy like, uh, like Otani is someone you have to keep in mind. you got to be able to play the game. It's, it's all about uh, league format, roster construction, and whatnot. But you do know now, he's sitting there on Sundays for you. Alright, uh, Yohan Moncada. He's going to be ready to come back. He said, they said he's only going to need two three days to get ramped up and rocking and rolling. Uh, he's back in camp. That is music to my ears because I'm a big Yohan Moncada fan. I know many, many people are. So keep playing Yohan Moncada as planned walker bueller uh, If people look at my rankings they might scratch their head because if you've listened to my show long enough you know big walker bueller fan here big walker bueller fan i like like we're talking i i predicted when Cy young's i had him ranked very high in my rankings i dropped him down to seventh because he's only gonna be ready to go three or four innings it looks like by opening day and it's gonna be um he's gonna be their fifth starter right now the way they're stretching him out he's on he's working on four days rest he's gonna be uh starting their fifth game of the year not sure he's going to go super deep in that game. He might lose a start overall just by being their fifth starter. Things you got to pay attention to with Walker Bueller could really cut him back as well. So, not the best case scenario we're looking for with Mr. Walker Bueller on that one. Uh, Johnny VR, he is uh, having some back spasms. And that stinks because people really wanted VR for that stolen base upside that he brings to the table for you. Now, when we look at VR, his ADP was uh, moving up. That's for darn sure. Yeah, he was the 43rd player off the board around pick 42. Shortstop, second base eligible. The uh, power, the steals uh, was really ramping him up there. So keep an eye on the back spasm of Johnny VR. I'm going to just pretty much put him on the do not draft list all here. otherwise because back spasms are crazy. They could feel good one day and then two hours later they can feel horrible. They're going to be up and down. They won't really put him on the IL. That's like a day to day thing. So you might put him in your roster. You might only play three games that week because you don't know how it works. But three games of Johnny VR healthy, that could be a lot of steals. So it's kind of uh, the what, what risk do you want to take for me? I'll be passing on Mr. Johnny VR. A few more here before we get to some listener questions, because uh, most of these have been taken care of. But um, Robinson Cano is back in camp. That's good to see. He's batting cleanup, basically free in drafts. I mentioned him a few times. Uh, he's not a must draft, but if you're looking for a guy with the average and some power hitting cleanup for the Mets to have an okay offense, not too shabby of a situation in that scenario. So go ahead and grab Cano super late if you're looking for that. There, Freddie Freeman's supposed to be back there. Hoping he'll be ready for opening day. I moved them down a little bit in my rankings. Him him and Anthony Rizzo Rizzo battling back issues as well. They moved down a little bit as I had them towards the top of the first base rankings. You got to keep your eye on them and really pay attention to what's going on in those scenarios. Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez, the guy I was huge on. He is going to be back soon, but likely to miss opening day. They're going to have to ramp him up. I'm going to miss probably one, maybe two stars. Guys, keep an eye on that, though. Maybe they sneak him in for like two or three innings. Really doesn't help you where he's getting drafted. So a a guy like Erod Definitely someone to keep an eye on, a guy I was huge on again. Moved him down my rankings pretty good because you're, you're missing out on what you need. You need innings, you need at-bats. Um, he's the 77th pitcher off the board in uh, main events right now, pick 197. So people are taking it very carefully with him. Because so he's going around guys like Sean Mania, Luke Weaver, Joe Musgrove. Erod was going much higher before, much, much higher. He's gone as low as pick 220. So people are taking it really cautious with uh, Erod, and I don't blame them. Keston Hira, he is having a uh, kind of a fatigued elbow or fatigued arm or whatever you want to call it. I'm not worried about it because, A, he plays second base. B, he's always had an arm issue uh, defensively. That's kind of one thing that slowed him down. And they have the DH now. His bat's going to be in the lineup. Don't worry about Keston Hira. It might affect other people with these DHs, obviously Ryan Braun or some other mix and match of Abby or Smoke or something like that. That could suck in the long term. But this should be a minor issue. Shouldn't be too big of a deal. So Keston Hira, don't worry about him few other news and notes as we keep on scrolling on through here. You got the likes. We mentioned DeGrom. He's just a popular name on this list. Kyle Hendricks opening day starter. That can be really, really nice for um, ratios, quality start leagues. Got to get you that extra start. Uh, he, he's a guy I've been targeting quite a bit. If you're taking some riskier guys earlier with some high strikeout upside, Hendricks really helps your roster out there. So keep that in mind. Um, is handling a, a groin issue day-to-day. I'm hoping he's going to be just fine. So keep an eye on that with Moose because we want Moose in the lineup. Big, big power yeah, man in that scenario. And we'll scroll through one more page here, and then we'll get to the listener questions. There's nothing else we're talking about. There's going to be tons of news, tons of notes. Uh, Corbin Burns is another one. Really, really looked great in the Inter squad game. I moved him into my top 80 in pitchers. I love Corbin Burns. Seeing him throw the way he's throwing right now is absolutely outstanding. So we're going to enjoy some Corbin Burns on this one. All right, let's get into your listener questions on today's show here. We'll start out with Frank Amarante from Roto Baller. Can the Royals turn Franchi Cordero into a breakout post-type sleeper like they did with Jorge Soler? And the answer for me, yes, Frank. I am a big believer we mentioned him briefly uh, at the start of this show, but when you look at a guy like Franchi Cordero, I mentioned the stats that were, were tweeted out earlier. Um, this guy is uh, something special. They pull up his baseball savant page. To really give you an idea of what the Franchi Cordero can do, like go and Google home runs in um, Arizona and a home run in uh, San Diego. Two just things he's done so, so well. But when you look at it, you know, he didn't play pretty much at all in 2019. 2017, 14.3% barrel. 2018, 12.9%. Exit meal of 94% in 2018. That was outstanding. Um, Xwell Bacon a 522 in 2018, 493 and uh, 17 Hard hit rate of 52% in 2018. He lowered his K rate by 9% from 17 to 18 while increasing his quality of contact, which is beautiful to hear. He also increased his walk weight by 3%. All great things you want to see from a young hitter. He's continuing to develop. You have to remember that one. Um, His ground ball rate, still a bit high. We got to work on that, but the fly ball rates increased a little bit. Uh, Ground ball rate's around 48%. Fly ball rate rose to 24. Line drives 24%. Doesn't pull the ball a ton either for which he's more of a straight hitter and that's why you see some of those home runs go to center field, which is darn impressive. But uh, overall, the talent level of a Franchi is phenomenal. And I believe they can definitely turn him in the right direction. So keep an eye on Franchi if you want to take the risk this year. If not, next year could be a fun time to get on Franchi. Britt Chester of Baseball HQ asks, what do you expect of Chris Paddock this year? Do you find yourself spending a fourth-round pick on him or pivoting elsewhere? Yeah, Brent, this is a tough one for me cuz I, I I respect Chris Paddock. I understand how good Chris Paddock is. I'm 100% on board with all of that. For me though, I have not been a Chris Paddock guy. If that uh makes sense, I, I still until I see that third pitch really get established, I'm going to be going elsewhere. Um he unless he's super efficient, which he is a lot more often than not, he's only going five or six innings. Uh we've seen when he's off, he's really off. Guys can can crack him. There's other games, though, where he's phenomenal. He's a very, very hit-and-miss guy. I need that third pitch to develop, and I'm curious on a short season, if he's working on a third pitch still, are there games where it's a messy third pitch or is it a good third pitch? There's a lot of question marks for Paddock where he's going. You mentioned fourth round. He's going around pick 55 right now. Right before him, Charlie Morton. I absolutely love Charlie Morton. You, Darvish, right before him. I love both those guys way more than Chris Paddock. And you look after Paddock, you got guys like Brandon Woodruff. Uh, I, I go Woodruff over Paddock. I know people think I'm crazy. But uh, he's just not a guy that I'm finding on my roster. Uh, I'm pivoting elsewhere with him. I'm probably going to be completely wrong on him. I know people are like probably turning off the show now, thinking, Bubba, you're freaking crazy. You're talking nonsense here. You, you don't know what you're doing. But uh, he's a guy I've, I haven't been on all season. I'm not going to change now. And um, I'll probably regret it. But uh, I'll be passing on Chris Paddock. Uh, Kev at Roto Surgeon from Roto Baller asks, only questioning I can think up for now, do you see more or less trades in this weird-ass season when the deadline comes up? That's a tough one. I was wondering that as well because, you know, the trade deadline's a month into the season and the season's two months. So a lot of teams should still be in the race by then. I think there'll be a bunch of teams that just know, hey, we can make a heck of a run in the end in a playoff series. Can we compete with these guys? Probably not. They're they're probably well aware of the situation at hand. They're not going to try to play those games. So I think we'll see contenders going for guys, but I don't think it's going to be as wild as before. But, hey, twenty twenty is wild. We'll wait and see how that goes. And then he says, off the top of my head, guys like Matt Boyd and Robbie Ray come to mind who seem movable. Boyd should be moved. Guys like Ian Kennedy should be moved. Robbie Ray, I think the Diamondbacks are a sneaky, sneaky team this year in a shortened season. And if reports out of camp are as accurate as they are, I don't see him getting moved. I see him being a staple in that rotation. So that'll be something to keep an eye on there. But um, yeah, for now, I think business as usual in the trade market, nothing too crazy. All right, Dan Richards from Pitcher List. Guest of the show, a few time guests of the show, love love us some Dan Richards. He asked, pick a Murphy, Tom or Sean. These are catchers, folks. Sean Murphy picked two forty four. Tom Murphy picked two forty nine. Going right next to each other, fifteen and sixteen. It's a fun one. It's really really tough for me because I like them both. I really do, but I'm not drafting either one right now. Um, if I have to, because they both have question marks on playing time for one, um, and, and then just consistency. If I had to pick one or the other, I picked um, I picked Mister. Sean Murphy of, of Oakland. I love what we saw from him last year. We saw the minors from Sean Murphy. The power is legit from Sean Murphy. Big, big fan of that. But we have to also realize Austin Allen's there. A nice prospect, left-handed catcher, left-handed hitting catcher. Sean, the right-handed hitting catcher. We could see more platooning there than we'd like. If I have to pick the two, I take Sean for what he's got going on there. But Tom Murphy, also a very, very uh, qualified catching option. I'm just, tr- I'm cautious with Sean Murphy because, Last year, he matched lefties. He hit, he hit righties okay, but it was not great. Like If you look at the, the grand scheme of things, not ideal. He is hitting cleanup where Sean Murphy's hitting eighth. Um, Tom Murphy is expected to hit cleanup, which should be really nice for the Mariners. But I'm just not a fully on board there with Tom Murphy. I'd rather go Sean Murphy over Tom Murphy. But in, in, in a perfect world, if we're looking at ADPs, I'd pass and I'd go like Danny Jansen, Jason Castro, uh, Isaiah kenner Faletha, who's been very popular, Victor Caratini, I go guys like that after the Murphy combination. All right, a uh, few more questions here. Tommy at Scotland Easily on Twitter. How early would you take a relief pitcher? Uh, what are what are sleeper relief pitchers? That, okay, well let's we'll start with some. How early would you take a relief pitcher? You're seeing in these NFBC drafts, especially the big boy drafts, that uh, relievers are going higher and higher and higher. So we have to keep that in mind. I'm trying to, in the short season, get some stability at catcher, or at relief pitcher. That's something I really, really want to do. So I'm trying to get um, one of my elite targets, one of the top guys, like the Kelly The I'm usually passing on Hader. I had a role with Chapman there. Uh, Ken Giles. Uh, I had Diaz there. I moved him down a little bit with the talk of a, of a platoon there. I want one or two guys that I'm pretty confident in their roles uh, to get going, at least one, if not two, and then add some more later. So I think round. Six, six, seven ish, depending on the size of your league. If it's a smaller league, maybe eight or nine. But you want to leave with two to three guys you're you're pretty confident are gonna help you in saves throughout the season because I really don't want to play the waiver wire fab saves game this year as much as I can avoid it. It's gonna happen. It's inevitable. We're already having TG fab this weekend and there's a ton of guys Zach Britton and others out there who we can be going for. I mentioned you know Kyle Crick got Zach Britton um there's a handful of teams that you're gonna to have to start adding closers for here real, real quick. So you're going to play the FAB game, and with a shortened uh, FAB cycle but the same amount of FAB money, the bidding is going to be banana lands. So you're going to have to keep an eye on that in that scenario. And then what are sleeper relief pitchers that wouldn't be as relevant in the circumstances we're not given? How much do you think the virus will affect players going on IR and missing games? Okay, so sleeper relief pitchers. We're going to go one at a time here. I'm going to pull up my rankings for you, and I'll give you. I'll, I'll tell you some guys that I know aren't as high – on other people's rankings that I am using on mine that I think are kind of guys I am looking to target. So not sleeper like Nicky Anderson, obviously not a sleeper, but if you're going down, I think Joe Jimenez, he's not like a big, big sleeper. but I think he gets more value because no one's taking his job. Tigers aren't going to win a ton of games. So that kind of hinders obviously save chances, but he's a guy I don't mind. But uh, the Zach Brittons of the world, if he gets a run there, I think uh, we mentioned uh, Daniel Hudson earlier. I think that's a really, really good one. Cause he's going to be there sharing time with Doolittle I think Tyler Rogers. I've preached about him many times with the Giants. I think it's going to be a lefty-righty deal there. Gabe Kapler's mentioned it. So Tyler Rogers, Tony Watson, both have saves upside there. Problem is you're splitting, what, the Giants 15 wins maybe. That's tough. I think Corey Knables, a nice late-round 100. Harvey, a lot of these guys we've mentioned, Ryan Helsley's likely to get the saves in St. Louis coming into it. So uh, definitely some guys there later that you can take a peek at. All right, next listener question comes from Banks Thompson. With Jordan Alvarez on the IL, I added Suspedis, 14 team head to head dynasty points league. Which do you prefer as key bench bat? Giannis, Braun, Cesar Hernandez, or Franchi? All right, this is going to really depend on your team, but if you're looking for a points league where usually on base helps you, walks help you a ton. Ryan Braun's got a good OBP. So does C- Cesar Hernandez, is a great uh, OBP. When you look at uh, Hernandez here, he wanted to. Um, he wanted to lead off Cesar for the Indians. and That just was music to my Cesar Hernandez-loving ears. People will laugh at me forever when I used to play him on the Phillies over and over again. Uh, his OBP last year at 333 was his lowest since 2015, 356, 373, 371. He's hit 279 or higher in three of the last four years. He's got okay pop. He's got some speed. I feel like the, um, the ATC projections, four homers, 27 runs, 22 RBIs, four steals, hits 271 with a 344 average. That'll help you quite a bit. In a points league really, really will help you. Second base being a um, shallow position, especially in a 14-team league, I could see that being a big deal for you, Mr. Banks Thompson. Uh, The other guy, everyone knows how much I like Brian Braun. He's another good OBP guy, you know, 340, 3, 313, 336, 365, so on and so forth. Power speed, uh, even a little bit of speed. ATC has him for eight homers, 25 runs, 27 ribbies, three stolen bases, 268 and 328. So depending on how your, your your league format is, how your roster looks, i go Braun and Hernandez would be the two guys I would target there for you and go from there. All right, your next listener question. Simon P. at Simon Raquel asks, playing, playing time for Hampson and Hilliard worth keeping in NL leagues? NL only leagues 100% because uh, depth is huge in NL only leagues. Playing time is a question mark with those two, but you're getting Colorado Rockies. I know people – have said it's not as good as usual for the Rockies. They still get to play 50% of their games at home, which they're used to playing at home. And they um, they get some teams fewer than others in those scenarios. You start to play the Dodgers a lot in some of these tough teams. So it's, it's like you can make a case for both spots. But if you can have Garrett Hampson and Sam Hilliard, I'd rather have Hampson over Hilliard at this time. I'm a bigger Hilliard fan. But as we're seeing their their roster play out, if Hampson's the everyday second baseman and Hilliard's platooning in the outfield, that changes things. But, but keep an eye on what they do with Brendan Rodgers that can move Hampson around. There's a lot of moving pieces with Colorado. We know how much they love their young players. So that's something we have to keep an eye on. For now, I keep them both if you can. In, a, in, a, in an NL only league, two tremendous assets here, especially if you can play them in Coors, maybe mix some other guys in when they're out of Coors. That's great. Hampson, we see with a power speed. Hilliard, average power speed. Both talented, talent players. I would 100% keep both in this scenario. All right, Rob Wedig asks, at what point... Would you draft Isaiah Kenner Falefa? This is a phenomenal question. it be a very popular question coming around the bend these days. When you're looking at the catcher's position in FBC, three main events, he's going around pick 382, but he went as high as pick 311 on Thursday night. He is moving up the draft boards. 311 to put him as the uh, 18th, 19th guy between Jansen and Kurt Suzuki. I think that's uh, Weaver from The Athletic, the Texas beat writer Weaver, he was mentioning um, Falefa's gotten a little bigger. He looks like a, a more of a statured player. They're playing him at third base, which is huge because now you got a catcher eligible player, not taking the wear and tear of catcher, which is tremendous in this scenario. Potentially playing every day. Uh, he's got a little bit of speed with them, a little bit of pop. Uh, there's a lot to like with uh, uh, Isaiah Kenner at Falefa. So I would take him. Where did I put him in my ranks? I got it right here. I know I threw him in there last night when I ranked these. No, I need to add him. I thought I had him there. I would have him on my rankings. I'd probably have him around 17th off the board at the catcher's position. So keep an eye on Isaiah Kenner-Falefa as a guy to uh, get later in your drafts. Don't hate that at all. All right, a few more listener questions for you here. Uh, Yancey, I love you, Yancey. Always coming with the questions. Hi, Bub, a longtime listener. Yes, yes, you are. Hope you and the family are doing well. Thank you, Yancey. We are. Appreciate it. Your question, what's the most consecutive hours of sleep you've gotten in the past week? I'd say it's like three and a half hours. That's been like, if you can get me that that number, I'm in, I'm in a happy place. Usually it's little cat naps here and there with three and a half hours. That's been uh, the most consecutive. That's been money. And then the bonus question, will honey be watching an opening day with you? Oh, heck yeah. I got I got the Giants gear. Um, I've had a, a lot of relatives send me Giants gear. Uh, Mr. Baseball Pods himself sent me a custom number 22 Giants onesie out of nowhere that was awesome so thank you chris on that one so um yes honey will be watching baseball with me i've been recording a lot of sports so she's been uh, you know laying on my chest watching ufc and golf and other things usually sleeping but i call that watching and uh, she will be watching opening day with me 100 in her giants gear she will be she will be a giants fan whether she likes it or not um marty tallman asks what if you have two live drafts at the same time has it ever happened to you what did you do I have two live 15-team roto snake drafts on Sunday night. At the same time, I need some techniques to tackle the conundrum. First, thoughts and prayers, Marty. That's the first thing I'll say. If Thoughts and prayers. But uh, what I do is obviously have two windows open. Have uh, Set your cue. Rock and roll a queue. I say set a queue no matter how many drafts you have because the last thing you need to do is when you get on the clock, start scrambling. I'm sitting there. I, half the time, I don't even watch who's getting drafted a ton until it gets closer to my pick. I'm just loading and unloading my queue all day long, going position by position, getting my guys in there. So when it's my turn to draft, I pull my queue up but I can go through there and see who I need to fill my roster. That's what I'd recommend doing for both of those. Um, if potentially you have like an iPad or two screens, have them on both screens because you can't really, you don't want a million buzzers going off at once to know what's going on. It's just going to be a, a war zone. Know your rosters, know who you want, uh, have your ranking sheets ready and set a queue. Set a queue. Don't be scrambling because you might be scrambling on one league. Then all of a sudden you're on the board on another league, and then you you get auto drafted because you're still scrambling over here. So definitely get organized. That would be my number one question there. Uh, Akshay sixty eight ask um, for the casual fantasy player. It needs to look. Uh, how do they need to look at the shortened season? Are rookies more valuable because of less innings pitched? Uh, less viable because they may only throw four to five innings. What kinds of players get bumped up in a short season, bumped down, et cetera? Great question. Uh, we've talked about it a few times in the past, especially with uh, Mr. Batflip crazy himself. Veterans uh, ha- have some real roles here. As uh, Nick Pollock once said, guys with egos that are going to want to throw. And he makes a great point there. Those are guys we want. Uh, We're looking at pitching. You want guys that are ready to go. That's why I bumped Clayton Kershaw up so much. It's been a, a conversation point with this, with some people, but I know he's going to be out there giving it to you. Five, six innings right out the gate. And we're seeing more and more guys get there. So you want guys in that respect, uh, rookies, they're going to take a bit of a hit if they're not going to be given, the, if they still have a short leash. It's really going to hurt you this season. When it comes to hitters, guys near the top of the order, obviously have more value than the bottom. That's just common sense 101, but it makes even more sense on a shortened season. That's a lot more at-bats. If you're getting if you're drafting a guy batting seventh compared to batting second, I don't have to do the math for you, but that's a lot of at-bats over a 60-game season. And that's a lot of scenarios in place there. So you want guys with – that's why I said earlier in the podcast, innings pitched, at-bats are going to be king this year. So you got to keep an eye on those things and really make that work. Next listener question, Fantasy Sports Addicts asks, takes on Ross Stripling for 2020? Um, love me some Ross Stripling. Wish he was in Anaheim. Wish he didn't have to worry about any of the Dodgers garbage going on out there. But um, definitely like me some, um, some Ross Stripling this year. When you look at the um, – when you look at my rankings here, and I see there's an issue on my rankings. I'm going to fix that later. But Mr. Stripling, I had him. Doo, 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 doo. Where did you go, Ross? Okay, we're going to do this the, the cheating way. Control F. He is my 80th starting pitcher, and I, think that's, I feel like that's too low. He should be ramped up a little higher. I have him 80th, though. The reason I have him 80th, I'll explain this one real simply, the Dodgers. We don't know for sure that he's going to be the guy. There's rumors. Dustin May, Ross Stripling. Gonsolin, all these things here. When you look at roster resource, Ross Stripling is the number five, but they have Alex Wood there. Then I mentioned May, Gonsolin, all these other options. If Stripling is guaranteed to have the job and guaranteed to go five plus out the gate, he moves up my rankings in a big, big way. I love some Ross Stripling. What we've seen from Ross Stripling has been great. Um, Decent strikeout stuff, decent ratio, doesn't walk a lot of guys, and he's on a team that's going to win a lot. So yeah, give me some Ross Stripling. If you can make it work, go get you some. No problem with that at all couple more listener questions here for you as we wrap this up. Mike asks, at D-Y-L, Michael Roto asks, what do you think of Nola this year? Would you try to sell him relatively high? If you can sell him high, I would. I like Aaron Nola. Nola is great. But the the brass tacks of it is we've seen the best Aaron Nola is going to offer you. Like He's very, very good. He's kind of a Zach Granky light. He's nothing too flashy, but he's not going to light the world on fire. What he did in 2018. Give me tough to pass. He struck out more guys last year but walked more guys. When his curveball's not curving, it's tough. But he's going to eat up innings. His ratios aren't going to kill you. He's, he's at Granky 101. This is this is what Greinke survived on forever. Aaron is very similar to that. So if you can sell him high, 100%, everyone's got a price. But uh, if you're selling to sell him, I wouldn't go that far. I don't see myself drafting him very often because you have to pay the premium for Nola, and I'm not there. Like When you look at um, the NFBC right now, when it comes to a guy like Aaron Nola, He's going around picked uh, 72. Yeah. Jose Barrios, who that's a good discussion right there. Barrios and Nola. That's really Like I'd rather have Woodruff four picks later. Give me Woodruff all day long. And then if you drop down even farther, you know, I'd rather go even, I'm not even a Tyler Glass now guy, but I'd rather gamble on Glass now over Nola. I would way, way more have Frankie Montas over Aaron Nola. But I'm a huge Frankie Montas guy. So little things in that regard. Um, uh, a few more here. Lucas J. Beery asks, Blocks Beery 33 who's the starting pick? Of them, there's many. Like the deeper you go in drafts, you're going to find some, but one that stands out, I just mentioned him, is Frankie Montas. Going around pick 102, as high as 89, so someone there is paying attention. Frankie Montas is pure filth. That splitter he developed before the PED allegation is great. P.S. PEDs are PEDs. They didn't teach him how to throw a split-finger fastball. So I'm, I'm very confident in Frank, Frankie Montas. He's going to be stretched out out the gate. He's a guy that could uh, return tremendous profit. Um, I'm a big, big fan of that scenario. And then if you just kind of go down and look around some more, like Corbin Burns is interesting. Um, his teammate Adrian Hauser are interesting. Some of these late-round guys you take a chance on. Josh James, if he's as stretched out, as people say, could be sneaky nice. Uh, Dylan Cease, we saw him uh, in an entry squad game the other day. The one thing I've always said about Cease, if he can control his pitches. Because he can be very wild. If he can control that, he is a top end pitcher. He really is. Control is a big question there. So those are a few guys. I think Frankie Montas is a guy that's just criminally underdrafted right now and really needs to get some more love. It wouldn't be a listener segment without Co Mac Do Cody Mac getting at it here with a few questions. Um, those on these uh, thoughts on these options for head to head leagues with four keepers. One, play it out like normal. Reduce entry fee. Two. Cancel the season, redraft 2021, keeping forward using 2020 draft picks in order. Three, play it out, increase number of keepers for 2021. I would not do three. I know that much. Um, I'm good with one or two. I think one's fun because you get to play and you get to do your thing, reduce the fees, everyone kind of wins in that scenario. But I understand on a shortened season, if teams have been going for it, it kind of messes up um, the redraft, guys are keeping, stuff along those lines. I put up for a league vote. I would go with one. Play it out like normal, reduce entry fee, rock and roll and see what happens, enjoy fantasy baseball because that's what we do it for It's fun. So have fun with that one. Anthony, uh, I'm sorry, Guild, asked how to handle positive test players in preseason, pre-draft. What's the average return time? Has anyone returned and complained of issues? Do certain teams handle this differently? What positive players are the best guys in NFC drafts? Whew, a lot going on there. So, the way I handle it, like I've been telling everybody, is just slow down. Most of these guys are asymptomatic. They don't, um, there's really nothing that factors them. Uh, Freddie Freeman's been one of the worst we've heard of yet. Uh, uh, Blackman had some. It affects everyone differently. So, it's one of those deals. If you just want to be completely cautious and stay away, stay away. Uh, There's other guys like Aroldis Chapman. We'll see how he turns out. But a lot of these guys have been asymptomatic and like they're telling you they're chomping at the, like Salvador Perez was basically thrown in his backyard six days after his test because he was just bored at home and wants to play, but he has a quarantine. A lot of these guys don't realize it because they're asymptomatic and they're going to be just fine. Uh, These are some of the best athletes in the world. This affects other people more than the top-end athletes. That's just the sad truth of it all. If it it hit me, I'd probably be on my deathbed where you you got Juan Soto and these guys out there. It's not going to phase them at all. So I'm I'm taking it uh, player by player. Situation by situation, a lot of these guys that tested positive. I we saw reports the other day. I forget his name. He tested positive in June, but he couldn't pass a test for four and a half weeks, even though he didn't show symptoms a week after his thing. That's how weird this disease is. It's really, really weird. So he's felt fine for a long time. He just couldn't report to camp. We have to play everything out differently and see how it works. In a best case scenario, like I said at the start of the show, uh, since they've been in camp now. There's been 2,500 tests in the last week alone, 0.05% positive, like six total positives. Five of them, I believe, were from the coaching staff. So something to keep in mind there and see where it goes. Best values, I'm not 100% sure on where we go with that one because it's kind of a definite case-by-case deal. Sorry, I can't give you a great answer on that. Bing Bong Ding Dong asks, what is the number one team you would stack hitters one through four if you could? I don't know if it's the number one team, but when you ask me this question, the first thing that pops to my mind, I think a lot of people agree with me here. Let's go north, folks. The Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins. Stack them up. Kepler, Polanco, Cruz, Donaldson, one through four. If you just want to go deeper, Rosario, Carver, Arias, Sano, Buxton. This lineup is filth. Absolutely ridiculous. So give me the Twins all day, every day. I like the, the baby Blue Jays. Talked about them a ton. They could be fun. Twins still have them there. Houston can be interesting if everyone stays healthy. Still rather have the Twins. Um, you know, White Sox are interesting. Still would have the Twins. You just go through this. I'm going through every team here. Dodgers, too many moving parts. Milwaukee, maybe. But, I'm yeah, Twins. Twins are my – I'd be stacking the Twins 100% in this scenario. Um, for uh, the, the, the listeners that came into the chat room asking questions, thanks for those that are going to listen and hopefully rate and review the podcast. Uh, hopefully, next week, we're still kind of learning the baby schedule here and trying to keep mama company and help put the things around the house and do everything there. I hope to get back to normal with, with, with Toby and a couple shows a week for you. We have baseball next week off the DFS contents, MLB DFS con, uh, Quick Kits will be coming at you live. I'm also going to be doing a, a, another venture that will be announced shortly with a friend of ours. That'll be fun. going to be some writing, all that cool stuff. If you want to go get 50% off a package at Rotaball or Premium, uh, use promo code Bubba. That'll get you in there. might even get you 10% off of that 50%. So go check that out at Rotoballer. Use promo code Bubba. They give a rate and review on iTunes for Bench with Bubba, and I appreciate it. Hopefully back with you guys next week. If you have any more questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at BDN I will answer them at, uh, as soon as I can, and I'll work on my rankings as often as I can. But until next time, this was Bench with Bubba episode 303. Catch you guys later.